Welcome to the Blind Apex Podcast, where amateur club racers tune in to get faster. I forgot to ask if you're ready. Good? Okay. Well, I'll just trim some off the front. It's no big deal. I'm your host, Con John Turk, and on this episode of the Blind Apex Podcast, we're talking K-Series 2.0. We're not talking about the 2-liter version specifically, but the second time we're talking about the K-Series. Joining me, Honda's version of Sanford and Son, professional Facebook marketplace troll, and the greatest unfounded basketball talent in North Carolina history, Chad Slag. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So... I needed you to come on the show because you're the longest tenured K-Series racer I know. I wouldn't say in the world, but that I know. When did you start racing the K-Series engines? I got my first swap K20A JDM Type R probably in late 2003. Uh, Justin Colbert and I bought a pair of them from uh, Larry at Import Auto Salvage in Marion, North Carolina, and then uh, we installed them probably early, midsummer 2003, and I believe it was uh, end of 2003 that I actually raced with the K20. Uh, It might have been CMP was the first event with a K20 in the car. Okay. Uh, With NASA, mid-Atlantic, probably late 2003, early 2004. Right. So you're looking at almost two decades on this platform. Okay. Correct. And then I saw recently, because you used to have an Integra champ car, chump car, champ car. Correct. Now you're taking out an 8th gen, right? Yes. Yep. So that's a K-native car with a whole, I'll call it different issues, potential, but we'll get into that. Um, I've only had one, two two issues, and none of them have been, meh. One of them's my fault. The other one just failed, so, but we'll get into that. Um. How long have you been racing? I mean, obviously since at least that time, but you started earlier than that. Uh, yeah, that first year of Honda Challenge, which I think was 2002, uh, could have been 2001. Uh, again, my first race was at CMP. I think I was two races into the season. Uh, when I first started racing, I had done probably four events with NASA and a probably a handful with uh, John Felton. And I think it was speed ventures back in the early two thousands. I don't remember exactly. This is what happens. Uh, when we're and old. also car guys. I had done a, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, car guys. I did a couple events with, I went out and flagged and you could earn a weekend by flagging. So I went right. out and flagged. So I didn't have to pay money for an HPDE and then, you know, moved up and did four events with NASA. 
And I think my fourth one, I did my comp school. And then I was ra- off running, racing ever since. Well, that's big volumes to how the HPDE program has evolved. And I, I believe in the HPDE program. Like I'm a firm believer in that because I do race other organizations. And you do see a difference in drivers. Uh, that Guys who have actually had time on track – and, you know, they, they do drive more the school line when, when they are, when they come up in, in a driver's education program, uh, instead of throwing them to the wolves. Um, everybody who's come on board with us on the champ car has had some driver school stuff mm-hmm. with us or driver school at some point, usually most of the guys have five to six HPDE weekends. So it's not like we're throwing them to the wolves because there is a, a vast difference of skill level at champ car. And even within the NASA program, there's a vast difference between a rookie and a seasoned veteran. Uh, You pick up all sorts of stuff over, over the course of time when you're racing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, what are you driving these days? I have a 1999 Honda Civic SI with a K20 currently in the car, but the first race it will have a K24 this year. Um, going to be adding a bunch of weight and horsepower and see if that helps lap times come down so you're racing uh h1 so h1 h1 and st4 will be the two classes i race within nasa um have you always raced h1 i have always raced h1 since my very first car uh 94 eg with a b20 vtech and i've always had h1 Never had a desire to go slower than okay. H1. Well, I, <laughs> the H2 cars are pretty fast, so. Oh, they are. They H2 has come a long ways, and we won't get into how those are really H1 cars. But They've uh, evolved a lot. In... They, they have evolved to beyond what H1 used to be, other than allowing cams. And most of the drivers in Honda in the mid-Atlantic H2 are very seasoned veterans and very capable drivers. And there's, there's guys that are very good drivers that, you know, you put them in an H1 car and they're going to be fast as well. I mean, you see that with Bradfield, Um, even with his new car. I mean, obviously they're working. Oh yeah. That, that car is going to be smoking. Obviously rules need to get worked out and massaged a little bit, but right out of the gate, he was smoking. So awesome. All right, so how many weekends do you have under your belt with that 8th Gen Civic so far? I have two and a half hours okay. in the car, a total of two and a half hours of okay. driving. And did it make it the I know you guys, were you guys practicing or doing a champ car race? We did the uh, champ car race, uh, what was it, 8 and 7 at VIR North. Uh, eight hours one day, seven hours on Sunday. 
Um, Do you have any issues with that car? Our issues that we had were the alignment shop did not tighten the centric bolts for the front camber. So three hours in, a guy took a bump on the front and came in saying the car is acting weird. I moved the wheel around. I said, okay, we got to go fix the camber bolts. Uh, both were, were loose. Both sides were loose. Other than that, we had no issue okay. out of the car. Other than it it will not go two hours on a tank of gas. Oh, no. She's thirsty. Real thirsty. Yeah. We got... Uh, I got two and a half hours on my stint. It was not too... We had a red flag, so I sat for an hour. So I was able to drive a total of two and a half hours that time. Um, but most of my session was in the rain. Once things dried up and lap times came down to, you know, high forties, uh, the gas consumption quickly went, uh, everybody else was getting about an hour and 20 to an hour and 27 minutes out of the car. And, you know, when you have to have a two hour stint out of the car, that's just not going to cut it. Right. So we'll, we will have to find a solution yeah. to that. Um, these K-powered cars, they do consume more fuel. <laughs> I don't know, know any other way to say it, but they consume more fuel than the B-series cars are consuming. In my H1 car, in full tank, in the SI's 12-point-something gallons, I literally can go 39 and a half minutes of full throttle with no no caution flags but at that 39 and a half i start fuel starving at turn three uh vir full and then coming into the flat s's there's another fuel mm-hmm. starve as long as i get the check or white flag or checkered at that 39 and a half minutes I, i'm fine but anything over that i am not going to make it yeah and i'm only making 200 and 45 horsepower out of that. But with the H1 car, I'm able to go full throttle sooner because I'm on slicks and not a street tire. It just, you're full throttle for a longer period of time versus a, a quote unquote street car. That's just got a cage right. in it, which is your champ. Because car. for all intensive purposes. Yeah. It's a champ car. It's a stock Stock engine, there's nothing consuming more fuel other than going full right. throttle. All right, so let's get into these engines a little bit. Um, over the years, what have you found to be the weaknesses of the engines? Over-revving and mis-shifting. Right. But, you know, that said tongue-in-cheek, because even with the B series stuff, an over rev and a misshift is going to do damage. I, I think I don't think uh, I don't think Zingana. any car survives that. To be honest, correct. Um, the that has been the main failure that I have seen and experienced is the only time there's an issue is, is when the engine gets zinged. Yeah. Um, and we typically put valve springs. 
uh, super tech 92 pound valve springs in all our K K series engines that are going to see any, any amount of RPM for sustained period. I would, I don't like titanium retainers because they are a right. wear item and need to be checked and often, you know, checked yeah. frequently. Uh, I've seen more titanium retainers fail than I've seen stock retainers fail. So we always go with the stock retainer on a aftermarket valve spring. You prefer spring. those SuperTech 92 pounds over the Type R valve springs? Uh, I don't know what the seat pressure is on the stock valve valve springs. Um, it's supposed to be stiffer. I have mm-hmm. not checked them. Um, but the Type R stuff is it's a limited production run. So you're not, there's more, there's more support and it's easier to get super tech valve springs and there, there's no cost savings via a super tech versus a stock valve spring. Yeah. Uh, well, some of us are limited by rules. Have you ever, uh, looked at the S 2000 or put S 2000 valve springs in a K series? Not in a race car. Uh, some street cars I have, but the, those guys weren't, you know, at 9,000 RPMs for 40 minutes to mm. eight hours. Um, and, and, you know, in the endurance stuff, we try to keep the RPMs down just to help the engine. Uh, the endurance racing is all about survival. You keep RPMs down, and it does not hurt. The it, it, there's less chance of failure. There, there's less chance of a misshift. If you do misshift, you know you're not going to zing it to ninety five. You're going to go to the rev limiter at eighty eight, eighty six hundred, and you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just speaking. I run up to eighty eight hundred on stock valve train on a Z three. And I guess I'm running on borrowed time, but no, I wouldn't say that you're running on borrowed time. Uh, it's a matter of helping things. If you do zing it, if you do zing it, you're less likely to float the valve, which means you are way less likely to have contact valve to valve or even valve to piston. So it's just. It's a $300 insurance policy, and it doesn't guarantee that it saves the engine if you misshift. There's no guarantee. You can't guarantee on that. No. It's just a peace of mind knowing, hey, if I do something dumb, it might not cost me an engine. I know if you zing an engine with a stock valve spring, it's you're done. You're going to drop a valve. Knock on wood. I have recorded two yeah, zings lots of it. and no problems. So, How high did you uh, zing? Almost 10K. You are yeah, very, very lucky. lucky. Uh, according to the we, data log. Anyway. Our, we had a driver first lap or second lap in zinged it right in front of us on the front straight and I 
I would have bet money it went to 10k. Uh, we we haven't checked data, but it lasted 14 hours after that, so we were okay. But it he zinged it big time on the front straight. Yeah. Um. So you think the valve valve train is the biggest weakness of these engines? I mean, are you going to assume that everybody's doing a ported A2 oil pump? Is that is that just a given these days for racing? I would say on any engine that's on track is going to have a at least a stock A2 okay. oil pump. Uh, my H1 car has a stock has a stock oil pump, and I'm revving it to 92 when I need to, uh, and I'm on the rev limiter on the back straight in sixth at 137, 138 mm-hmm. miles an hour. And I'm bouncing a rev limiter, uh, oil pressure maintains. I've, I, I log my data. I log data for the oil pressure, just, just for that purpose of making sure I'm not dropping oil pressure when I'm doing that in it. I haven't had any cavitation issues out of a stock oil pump up to 9,200. Um, that's fair. I, you know, most people have a four piston or, I mean, it's not rocket science to actually port one and, but, uh, no, it's not, you know, you just go in and open it and help, help the flow. Yeah. Smooth the edges, round them off a little bit. It's not hard. Yep. You need to, clean the crap out of it when you're done doing it but outside of that it's not hard to do yeah some hot water and about four cans of brake cleaner i just left mine in the parts washer for like two days with it running all over it that would do it too but um yeah so the oil pump because we're talking all the k series so we have the regular we have the geared oil pump and then the balance shaft oil pumps i just don't trust those balance shaft pumps um, it's just too much going on to well, be revving them as high as we do on on the racetrack. Absolutely. And, and there's a weight advantage by going to the A2 oil pump. It's probably about six pounds lighter. Um, and I don't know how much the balance shafts weighs, but, you know, rotational mass, that all matters. I've never dynoed uh, the same engine swapping oil pumps so i couldn't tell you if it has a horsepower advantage or not i would presume if you got it on an engine dyno there'd be a slight gain in horsepower but it wouldn't be anything i would be concerned about in fact our champ car has the stock oil pump on and it's a two hundred and forty thousand mile engine look they'll keep going uh we've got one yeah, we're going to keep going with it. it. We burned probably less than a quarter quart of oil every driver's stint. So every hour and okay. a half, we were at a quarter to a quarter to a half a quart of oil adding. But you know, any VTEC engine, you're going to have to add oil to. I have it in my twenty some years of racing these. I've never not had to add oil 
to a VTEC engine. Yeah, over time, you're definitely going to need to. Over the course of a weekend, it starts to get a little weary when you're talking about after every session, you got to put in half a quart. Okay, that's excessive, but we're not talking excess. Yeah, in a 20-minute, 15-minute, 20-minute qualifying session, if you've got to add oil or check your catch can after after the session and you've got to add a half a quarter so of oil, I would be concerned. Uh, but after an hour and a half and adding a quarter quote, a quarter quart of oil, I would, I'm more than happy with that. Yeah. My, I check it after every session, but I usually only find myself topping off literally Saturday night when we ha- when we come off after the last race, I'm like, Oh, need a little, little top here, you know, quarter quarter. So, um, but I run extra oil in these engines. It's sort of what we do. Yes. Um, some people are a half court. Some people are a whole court. Some people have the massive uh, unit two oil can oil pans. Um, you know, it's like changing a diesel truck when you change the oil on your race car. But yep, ten quarts. Um, is that what you're running the unit two? On my H1 car, I've got a Unit 2 oil oil pan, and I've been data logging oil pressure now for, I guess, since 2016. And I was chasing a falling out of VTEC in Turn 3 in the flat S's for two mm-hmm. years. And I, I tried everything. I tried the the blocks, the... One out of Europe, the Agent Orange, Clockworks yeah, clockwork. Orange. Yeah, Clockworks. Uh, I tried the Track Tough. Uh, I had a Mugen oil pan. I tried a Spoon oil pan. Uh, tried those in conjunction with uh, baffles, and I would always drop oil pressure somewhere on track yeah. uh, with the Unit 2. I have, I, I maintain oil pressure the whole, the whole race. I'm not falling out of VTEC. Um, there's no dip like I see without the unit one. And I, I don't know if that's attributed to the extra capacity or if it truly is uh, the baffle design that they've done, but it's a phenomenal unit. Uh, the Champ Car, we have a stock oil pan, and I didn't check the data logs yet on oil pressure, but I didn't have, I wasn't falling out of VTEC in corners, but we also run probably a quart over full on right. the Champ Car. Yeah, I mean, that's a. So so on the champ car you're just running stock overfill on a Z3 pan but on your H1 car you're running Correct. you're running the the unit 2 oil pan. Correct. Um if you want I'll send you I well I don't know if I have a ninth gen still. I'm running a ninth gen pan um cuz it it has the right height for the A2 pump that I put on it. And then I put Correct. the uh without having to modify the pickup. I didn't want to touch the pickup. I 
I'm afraid the pickup will fall out one day because I'm dumb and I don't tighten it or whatever. <laughs> I didn't want to touch that. So I went to that and then I made a new rear mount for it. And then, but the pan got sent out to uh, track tough to get that. And so far it seems to have worked except for when I run under full, if, if it goes under full, I will lose VTEC. So I always have to be half. Yep. Over. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and we're, we, we are going to not build an engine, but do an OEM rebuild on another engine for the champ car. And that will get the A2 oil pump in a, a better oil pan just to help preserve the engine. It's all about preserving your equipment for as long as you can. Right. And we're, we're still doing grassroots racing and not everybody has an, an unlimited budget. And the, the longer you can push off or maintain an engine without having to do a rebuild is always better on the pocketbook. Right. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, inflation's hit everything. It's not, well, the B-series engines are the B-series engines. They went to the moon. But it it that yes. that rising tide rose all ships. So I bought this car in the nick of time, and then I didn't start looking for spare engines and transmissions until it was probably 20 30% more expensive to look for backup stuff. So... Yeah, the the Z3 transmissions are running about 1500 in stock form. You can find somebody who needs some money and you might get it for 1200. Um but you know, with you having the 8th gen Civic, you need to run the Z3 uh yeah. trans or the you need the casing for the Z3 because it's got the speed off of the counter shaft whereas the a the o2 to o4s have the speed sensor on the back like like the b series i mean they're legos but they all have their own issues you know they're their own nuances yes um so let's see we've covered i you tune so let's talk a little about bit about tuning these engines i know that we found these things are super efficient at pulling air even when you close down the throttle bodies like the if you just keep letting it eat she just starts pulling more and more air and it doesn't it matters it will slow it down but it takes forever to slow one of these down um, when you're on the dyno trying to pull power out of it with air so Correct. I've tuned, I think I've tuned four eighth gens for SCCA and three for NASA. And in the STL program, I think they need a 54 millimeter restriction. It's either if 50 I, if I remember or 54. It's one of those two. Yeah, it's it's something ridiculous considering it's a sixty-eight millimeter stock stock throttle body. In the last one I tuned, it made two twelve. That was a fully built STL engine. Uh, I think it was by 
I'm not even going to say the name because I uh, I get it wrong, but it had it had the the maximum lift cam, uh, which you know an SDL has to be a regrind because the OEM cam is too big, but then it had eleven five compression pistons, and with a fifty four or with the restrictor, it made two hundred and twelve horsepower. Um, I tuned our champ car the very next day and we made 215 with no restriction you know it's kind of a moot point though because one was a fully built engine the other was a stock engine but even some of the your car i think first pull was like 225 with no no restrictions And, and then at the time we had to use the throttle body plate to close it to take right. power away. Um, there, there's a couple other, there's one other guy in H2 that was the same result. And he was, he's in the, the Integra brand has an Integra with a Z3 or had a Z3 at one time. And same result as you as we, man, I had to put a 50 millimeter restrictor in it. Uh, we actually put a, a two-inch intake pipe on it, and a dirty filter just to get it to get to the max power rating. Yeah, and it, and they're all this efficient. You look at the... They, absolutely. They, they, it's phenomenal what Honda did yeah, with this and, engine. And we're not talking just the, the true VTEC K-series, right? Not the, you know, even, even the CRV motors are putting down big power as far as I'm concerned, considering they're missing a lobe, you know? Yeah. I, the last one I tuned made 200 to the wheels and, and you pick up an extra 15 torque out of the K 24 over the K 20. Um, and I don't know if the torque is worth it because it just spins tires because we're on the wonderful Toyo tire. Ah, but um, the R proxy R, and that's why I went back. The proxy R. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever is faster, right. I'll drive on. Uh, that's why I run the K twenty in the H one car. Is it just lights up? It, it lights up the tires at one hundred ninety foot pounds of torque. Oh yeah, especially at turn coming out of turn one, turn two, VIR. The car is just pushing for sure like crazy because the extra torque well even my k20 when it's spun up uh and you're getting in it hot and you're coming through if it's not like the b series that that c5 you could just mash on the gas and keep going right this one you have to ease into it right if you don't ease into it you're hosed you know so definitely a difference and I'm on a 245, a 245, 15 tire. So my my wheel and tire weight is just under 30 pounds versus probably 36 or 40 out of a 17-inch wheel tire combo. Yeah. So you said you're going to the K24 next year. Well, I, I'm assuming you're testing yes. one out for a while. You may, may or may not stick with it. Yes, what are the benefits, the pros and the cons of the K20 and the K24 to you? 
I love the K20 because it revs and it makes it makes power the the whole way. Oh, it it mine uh, mine wanted to K- keep going. If we would have kept revving it, it was going to keep yeah. making more power. That's how ridiculous that this engine yeah. is. I think when I did my ST4 forms and bouncing off the rev limiter, I think I was only two horsepower lower than my peak horsepower. So the, I think the K24 for ST4, I made 285 from 7,000 all the way to 8,800 RPM. And I'm like, man, I'm just not willing to rev a K24 that high, even even with aftermarket rod bolts or or uh, you know forged Eagle or Weisco or BC lightweight rods. I'm not I'm not willing to rev an engine that high for sprint racing for for twenty twenty five minutes at a time. It's just When you're making your peak horsepower for 2,500 RPMs, there's no reason to keep revving it that high. So, so what do you think that you should be revving your K24s to? In a road race situation, I I like to keep it at 8,600. We're talking. We're talking. I'm gonna. A2, K24 A2s. A2. And, you know, when I say this, that's a ST4 build. So you're allowed rods and pistons in that. In H1, you're not. I have revved stock A2s to 9,000. My, that last, what was it? The last championship, NASA championship down at Road Atlanta, 2012, 2013. It was somewhere think, in there. Somewhere in there. Um, I had K24s. Mm-hmm. And they all, the all, all the, my two engines I had uh, lifted, the, the, the rod stretched and the pistons tapped the head and lifted the head and allowed coolant into the, you know, I pushed combustion. Right gases into the coolant system and temperatures went up and I, I wasn't able to finish. Uh, and I was revving to probably 9,000 that weekend because I was out of gear yep. on the back straight. That happens at road Atlanta uh, with a five, four with a five, four you're topping out at 145, 146 yep. miles an hour. And that's that's the advantage of the K20. It's got a much better rod rod stroke ratio, and it still still makes power up there. Whereas if you've got a completely stock K20A2, I'm sorry, K24A2, it doesn't pull up top. You don't have that same pull even though you're making more power and more horsepower, it's a smoother. It's just way smoother up top. So on, on a stock K24, uh, I I would love to keep the RPMs under 8,000. 
but you know, fifth and sixth gear, you typically need more on those long straights. Right. So you're looking at the great rod stroke ratio is the big thing for the K twenties, but the torque is a it's tempting you with that K twenty four, huh? Oh yeah, it, it, the the pull out of a corner with a K twenty four, especially turn eleven, the or ten A whatever the blind left hander mm-hmm. is at the top of the S's it is phenomenal pull out. Uh, going through hog pen, the pull coming out is amazing. Yeah, um, so th- those are your benefits. You talked a little bit about gearing. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, some folks swear to me that they never use sixth gear, that they build their cars to be a three, four, five car, and that's how they set up their final drive. Versus a, some of us, I run a, it, I'd spin three, four, five, and six in the car. Right. Um, and I'm almost out of on paper. Also, by the way, <laughs> on paper, the five speed is supposed to be faster. Uh, you know, a five speed transmission just using three, four, five is supposed to be faster. I've seen tons of data. Uh, somebody did a data analysis of had a spreadsheet that you could plug in your gear ratios and all that, and on. On track, it was like 13 less shifts with a 5-speed versus a 6-speed. In their sampling. In their sampling, correct. Um, And, you know, you figure a tenth of a second per shift, two-tenths, you're looking at a second to two seconds just in shifting that the 5-speed saves. But in real world practicality it's a six speed that is faster uh brent's tested both brent brower and h2 and he swears by the six speed i would typically agree with him on that and i i am not willing to do the work to put the five speed transmission in to test it right just because i've had the six speed since 2004 when I did a swap. Uh, but it, did you ever knock down your final drive to run it as only a five-speed to top out fifth? No. No. I have not. I, You know, that's our transmission pull and rebuild. Everything's got to come off. Um, to, to test that, you'd really have to have a another transmission at the track and swap them out because you can't really compare weekends. You know, two weekends are completely different on track. Um, If I was going to do a true test, I would want both transmissions there. Go out in one, do two sessions, swap transmission, go two sessions in the other or the next day. And hopefully you're at the same temperatures and ambience and all that. Um, I, I'm just not willing to test that. So for those that don't know, the fifth gear in a five-speed transmission, K-series five-speed, and the fifth gear 
in the six-speed transmission are the same ratios, generally speaking. There's some differences, but... Yeah, you can get the K20A Type R transmission, which I think has a 787 six gear and it it's it's way shorter than a k20a2 or the z3 transmission six gear and that's oh it's huge uh i actually had to use six gear on the front straight and it it was like i think i dropped 2800 rpm so i dropped all the way back to 6,000 or 5,800 and you're just, you've got the torque there, but there's no power. You've dropped back probably 45 horsepower. In what engine? With When one you engine. do that, uh, K20 oh, yeah. Z3. You're, yeah, but uh, when you're flat tuned, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't drop that far out. Well, with with a with the close ratio six gear, it does Correct. not drop out. But the Z three oh, transmission Z. that we have in yeah. the Champ car is stock, and when you shift to six gear, it's just did like you, did Bleh. you have to do that? Did you have? Yeah, I I had to shift to. Do six. you want a Type S six? It's better. Yeah, I, yeah, but got to do the work. I, I don't want to have to go through that work again. <laughs> okay. Once we pull the once we put a new engine in, we'll probably do uh, a different six gear because all the drivers complained about a, a five six shift. Okay, most of us are running DC five R four five six, I believe. So. Yes, and yeah that that as far as I know, the that's the closest ratio setup that you can From get Honda. there there's nothing closer unless you go yeah it's got to be oem in honda challenge um okay so now that we got the gear stuff sort of sorted out what things in the transmission have issues you know we aren't drag racing some of us hamfist like we are though i well, yeah, some of you do. Uh, I probably have 60 or 70 standing starts on K-series transmissions. Okay. On, on a, we'll call it a slick, the Toyo RR or the RA1 back in the day that we had to race on. Slickish. Slickish, Yes. It's not the same as going to a drag strip with a fully prepped track. I understand all that, but as long as you are slow and deliberate in your shifts, there shouldn't be any issues. I haven't killed any transmissions other than when I had a clutch failure that blew apart and cracked the inner case in all my years of racing. Um, and I've learned with the K, you've got to get all your braking done and then do your downshift. 
Yeah, um, rowing down the gears while braking is not good for this transmission. No, not at all. And I don't... So we'll use the back straight at VIR. I don't go five, six, four, three, turn in. It, I, I do that, but not... The clutch never comes out. I'm only doing it to line up the the synchros. Okay. So so there isn't a harsh engagement. And I don't go from six, pop it into neutral, and then go to third or go to fourth for a downshift. Why not? Um, because you never know when you're going to ha- get hit from behind or bumped and need to come off the clutch and have power to mm, get out of okay. a, a slide. Um, even on the street, every, when I'm driving with newer drivers, I, I tell them, Hey, you don't put the car in neutral and go through the corner, have it in gear accelerating. So you're on power because you never know what's going to happen in a corner. Um, I've seen lots of drivers, you know, just put the clutch in and just brake. Well, the engine helps you slow down when you're braking. Um, so anytime you can have be on power whenever you need it is better because you don't know what's happening behind you. You know, you hope the guy behind you is not going to tap you. But if you're in neutral and your hands on the shifter, you, you're not going to know what gear you're in. and it, it may not ever bite you in the butt, but I would rather not be in that position and be able to power out of it. And that's fair. I'm, so I I did have uh, shift fork issues. Um, well, now, that, that's not your fault. That is 100% Honda's fault. I would say... Out of the last 100 K20 Z3 transmissions I've rebuilt, 90 of them were because of that 3-4 shift fork where the tab breaks off. That is a known issue on that transmission. So I'll tell you, I I know where it comes from because they have that stupid delay in the clutch master, okay? And everybody's trying to get, get up on the gear. Okay. And when you miss your window or you miss it by being that hundredth of a second too early on the delay, you can still cram that gear in. <laughs> It'll still go. But it will only go right. that way Absolutely. for like a couple times and then she's gone. Right. So, right. It, and I would say the majority of the transmissions that I rebuild for the Z3 have that problem. But I would say half of them are in swap cars that don't oh. have that delay okay. as well. Um, and we will probably, when we rebuild the Champ Car engine drivetrain, I will probably get a S2000 Clutch Master to put in the car so we don't have that delay. Uh, Hoond makes one that's bolt-on now. It's a bolt-on piece. I don't know if it works or not. I mean, I'm assuming they're engineers and do this on the side. 
right. so it might work. Um, the rumor, since you you've had multiple EM ones, there's the EM one Clutch Master works in the car also. That also works. So there's yes. that. Um, yes. There were I've seen guys welding gussets onto their tabs on those shift forks. I've seen all sorts of stuff being done to try to make that problem go away. Um, right. And the, and I don't know if they're related, probably not, but, and it may be that rowing of the gears thing, but we see a lot of broken third, fourth gears. Uh, they're making Honda make HPD makes hardened fourth gear set. Yes. And I'm assuming yep. it's cause they're on the row down and it's just like, it takes shock. That fourth gear takes the shock. Yeah. If you're, you know, a thousand RPMs off or you really need to slow the car down and you slam it into a gear. Yeah. That that's huge, huge torques on torque on the, on those gears. I have never broken a gear. Um, in, even even when I was just doing time trial type stuff and I could do whatever I wanted to the engine and transmission, there, there was a couple engines I had that were 290, 300 horsepower, and I still didn't break a gear. And I was running on Hoosiers in those days. Um, and, and I never broke a gear, but I didn't have a ton of hours on those transmissions either because some kid would come along and say, I want 300 horsepower. And I'd be like, well, I have one. Here's the dyno sheet. Do you want it? And they'd throw me money and I'd pull the engine out and rebuild another one. Uh, That's how Chad makes his money, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Outside of the gearing and those shift forks, especially in the Z3 transmission. So all you people who want to swap your cars, leave those Z3 transmissions to me. They're mine. Stop getting them. (laughs) There's no demand. They break. They're glass. Don't buy them. Buy the A2s. It's fine. (laughs) They they work great. Um, On the electronic side, have you seen any... We're we're working on ECUs that are going to be 20 years old or so um, we are you know the uh, everybody calls me rich because i have a newer car i think ash's car is technically newer than mine actually so sam so i don't know why they call me rich but i mean my car is 16 years old now 17 years old um so the factory engine harness all that stuff the heat soak from racing have you, what kind of electrical issues do you see going on with these cars? The only issue I have seen is the throttle bodies. Um, uh, Brian Hooper, SCCA racer, has gone through three in a weekend. And we aren't sure if it's is that heat the related. Drive by wires? That is the okay. Z3 drive by wires. I stuff. killed one. Um, uh-huh. you killed one. Uh, 
that is definitely a spare I would have if I was racing an eighth gen or anything drive by wire. I'd have a spare backup throttle body or two or yep. three. Um, I haven't seen sensors go bad. Uh, VTEC sensors or VTEC solenoids, the whole unit goes bad much faster on the K series, especially the base model A3s and the K24 A4s, A8s, and A1s, because VTEC on those cars come on at 2000 RPM. And then, you know, it is always on and off. It probably has. 20 times the cycle that any B series VTEC solenoid had just because in a street car VTEC is controlled by RPM and uh map map based where it engages in, you know, part throttle, it's not on, but if you move the pedal a 16th of an inch VTEC comes on to give you some extra right. power. Um, so it's always on off on the street cars. And they, they that's something I would definitely have is a VTEC solenoid as a backup. I know in my car, the speed sensor, well, I, I killed a speed sensor. Okay. Yes. Um, it's on the transmission. It's transmission specific. So you need to find a Z3 if you got a Z3 trans and A2 if you got a A2 trans because it's on different shafts, you know, different locations. They made them different. Um, but that shut my car down. Like, yeah, 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 the car won't work. Um, well, your car won't work without that speed sensor go into limp mode. Um, that I'd have that in an eighth gen specifically, mm-hmm. I would have at least two, uh, clutch pedals. Those are, those are notorious for breaking. No, I just as bought well. the, the brace kit. So we'll see if the brace kit. No, you we'll bought the brace kit. Works. Or how well that works, because I'm pretty hard on that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So I've had the I I did have the the um drive by wire throttle body failure. We we don't know if it is heat or vibration issues, but ASM uh put they put they put a special not a special it's not special it's an extra silicon coupling and adapter uh to the intake manifold. So the throttle body's like an inch off of the intake manifold and it's a silicone adapter piece um, that they bolt up to. Well, it's aluminum adapter with a silicone sleeve that they put two bands on to isolate it. Apparently that helped them because they were burning through uh, a bunch of them on their S2000s. I, I would presume that the drive-by wire stuff is an electronical vibration issue. I haven't taken one apart to know how many solders are in them. Uh, but, you know, anytime you have a sensitive piece of equipment like a throttle body and you've got the vibration, and especially on a race car where you're going to a stiffer mount, those vibrations are are translated across the board to everything. I purposely don't have soup. I mean, they're stiffer, right? It's not rubber. Okay. Um, and I do have the front solid bomb out still on there, which I probably will take off. I don't know. But, um, I I think I have what the, the street version of the Haasport inserts because vibration was going to be an issue. 
and right. Well, it'll still vibrate because <laughs> it's not rubber. And yes, I I also have yep. ungodly under hood temps right now that I'm going to try to figure out this winter. So I can't rule out one way or the other. Have you logged no, those at all? No, but I just bought. I just it came in the mail today. I just bought. Um, oh man, it's bad. Just race parts from Australia sells this thing because I have to keep my OBT OBD two dongle plugged into my Flash Pro because I'm required to data log. So I can't just cheat and throw an OBD two reader on there. I went to this all in one. Uh, analog to digital setup that they sell. And I think with a warning light, the digital, it's not a dash because it only shows you whatever sensors you plug into it and set up your sensor board, a warning light that, and all the sensors, I think front ship from Australia was like 260 bucks and they got really good reviews. So like nobody's like ah this thing is so inaccurate nobody said that so yeah that will be interesting to see the but results but the reason i did get it is because it has a special port for intake air temperature which i can add or move around and that intake air temperature also can go to my transmission because i'm taking transmission temps next year yeah that's so in my K20s, I have seen 260, 268 degree oil temps in Redline. I run Redline 30 weight race oil. And everything I've read, they say that is fine on temperature for the oil. I think it's high. I do too. I don't like yep, it that high. Um, but the more data you can put on an engine, the better the better it is for you to figure out what what's going on if you have a failure. Um, in in the case of the Champ car, you you've got data there. You can go back and say, um, "Mr. Rogers, sir, you uh, overrev the engine." In you know, it might not show its head right away. It might be five hours later that you drop a valve, but you can go back and say possibly that this was the root cause of that that failure. You know, with a street with a streetcar turned race car, you can't ever quite pinpoint that. But if we have a new engine build and put it in the car in one guy zings it a couple time or slams it into fourth gear going into turn one to help slow the car down. And he's zinging it up to 9,500 because it's not a electronic rev limiter at that point. It's mm-hmm. a mechanical. You you can go back and say, uh, you're, you're shifting wrong, which caused the, the ultimate failure. Yep. So, what do you have anything else you want to like? I know we wanted to get in the good and the bad, but I think it was really better to talk about what we need to be worried about. 
in these cars because there's a lot of good to this engine setup, right? So whether it's going in a BRZ, an E30, a Miata, or where it should stay in a Honda, there are, they put down good power. They rev like they should. No, they don't sound like a B series on crack. You know, <clears throat> they just, they sound different. Right. Um, you know, people for the longest time were like, "Oh, the transmissions are glass." They can be, um, but you have to learn to shift them correctly. You rowing down the gears is bad. I personally think rowing down the gears is why people miss shifts because they they start to drive the stick <clears throat> when you get out of sixth gear. And and then they start finding the wrong ones on their way down. So, um, but is there anything else you think we have? Any other issues we need to worry about with the K series in general? In general, no. Um, we aren't drag racing. We we don't have superchargers and turbos, and we aren't using nitrous on them. So they're they're basically a factory engine you know, h2 and h1 are factory stuff but even in st4 at a 280 to 300 horsepower level there's not much i'm worried about with the engine itself um most of the time it's going to be user error or build error that that causes an engine failure I, the K is just so good in stock yeah. form. You know, you, you put down 225 horsepower on a Z3 stock bolt-on stuff, and, and you know, that's not that's not 205s at VIR full, but it's fast enough. You're doing 135 miles an hour in the straight. Yeah, oh. in a stock car. You know that's that's going to be a fun car on track, and the prices are getting to thirty five hundred to four thousand on a eighth gen SI, and that's a cheap entry level. I need car. you to send me all those. That's cheaper than you can get a GSR swap right. for. I I need you to send me those. I want a eighth gen sedan for a daily driver slash one lap of America car. I have one. It's got some rear end damage. I'll let it go for about that. I don't want rear end damage. With a back. Oh, it's e- it's be an easy fix for you. Sledgehammer and rattle cans. Yep, sledgehammer well, and go. We'll see. But all right, Chad. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully, this gets out a little bit more information to folks. Um, the K series, the first one, just about swaps, was a pretty big. Uh, hit and I got lots more questions about it and I answered them here and there but I get K-series questions all the time so I wanted to do another one um, I appreciate you coming on man and uh, we're going to see you in March right? No problem, thank you for having me What's March? VIR yeah, full? VIR full I, I, You'll see me I don't know if I'll okay. be racing <clears throat> You got to bring that K-24 out I want to see yeah, I, I'm ready to run a 205. All right, I I think <laughs> I think Bradfield's going to try to get down to like a 204. So, well, Bradfield and Kevin Helms are going to absolutely fly in yep. March, especially if Helms figures out his uh, cooling issue with the FK8. 
with that new Civic yeah. Type R and Bradfield's car is, is going to be stupid yeah, fast. It's a monster on a stock J series engine. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. I'm going to have to have you come back on because we need to talk H1 one day. Um, I don't know when. I kind of want to wait till the rules are out. Um, you know, see if any changes come about or if we hear anything, you know, early on in the season about what they're talking about for Honda Challenge H1 because I think the class deserves to be revitalized. The barrier to entry is a little bit more expensive than H2. I don't care what Justin says. <laughs> um, but, yeah. There's there's more money. It depends on if you're building a purpose-built race car. Justin built a completely purpose-built race car. It was never going to be a street car. You know, most of these cars are street cars turned into right. race cars. Um, and, and if you can build it yourself, you're saving a ton in labor. There's lots of guys that can't do that and have to write a check. Um, and, and for me, the appeal for Honda Challenge is you don't have to write a check. It, it's a most of the time the guys in the paddock are going to help you if you need to change a transmission or swap an engine, put a clutch in or, you know, help with doing a new cooling system. So, you know, camaraderie is a bar- big part of big part of why we go out. Oh, and there's race. little paddock gnomes that do body work sometimes. I mean, I've seen people get depressed and <laughs> like, I'm not working on this car. And then in the morning, you know, with loud music, trying to cover up the hammers, they, they beat it out. So, all right, Chad. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Until next time, keep working on yourself. Keep working on the car. And let's get faster.